Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome everybody to the final week of the sermon series called The Path. You've made it. Let's talk about a little bit of a quick review of what we've been learning during the six weeks of the path. We've learned that our, our direction, not our intentions, determines our destination. And I gave an example that if I was to leave Lodi, California, get on the I-5, and I wanted to go to Disneyland in Southern California. Well, for whatever reason, I started going north on the I-5. Well, I could have all the greatest of intentions. I could have my Mickey Mouse ears. I can have my camera. But if I'm going north on I-5 from Lodi, never going to make it to Disney. I'll be at the Canadian border before you know it. So we understand that in navigation. But what we really need to connect with is that your direction, not your intentions, determine your destination is true in all areas of our life. And not just in driving in a car. We somehow forget this principle. And we think if we're doing this or if we're doing that, that it's a single event. But the truth is, it's a path. Let's look at some of the other things that we've learned during these last uh, five weeks. We've learned that life is also a series of mid-course corrections. Sometimes we're going through life when we realize, you know what? this isn't right. I need to change direction or I need to go a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right because I'm starting to get off the path. We also learned that if your heart is distant from God, well, when my heart gets distant from God, that's when my heart gets twisted all up. And when my heart's twisted, my heart will deceive me. My own heart will lie to me because it's twisted, because it's distant from God. We also learned that wise people seek counsel. Not just other people who agree with us, but people who be willing to tell us what we need to hear, not just what we want to hear. That's wisdom. That's prudence. And we also learned just last week that our attention that, that which we give our focus to, that our attention will redirect our direction. So if I'm going this way, but then I get distracted and I'm looking this way, before long I'm going in a new direction. So we've learned what's getting our attention. And we need to pay attention to what's getting our attention. So as we close out this series today, and by no means is this the idea of, a, of the final exhaustive answer on the subject of the path. But I want to ask a really serious question. What do you do when you realize that the destination that you're trying to get to, that you're trying to achieve, is unachievable? That the dream that you had it's not going to happen. 
I mean, what do you do when you're finding out all of this reach and all of this striving is unreachable? Well, Andy Stanley writes a little bit to this idea, and I quote, Some destinations are unreachable. He says, some dreams won't come true. Some dreams can't come true. Some destinations become unreachable because of a lifestyle choice. And some are unreachable because of a single decision. Some destinations are out of reach because of mistakes we've made. And some are out of reach because of decisions others have made. And sometimes we're to blame. Sometimes no one is to blame. In time, the reason behind our inability to get where we want to becomes irrelevant. Well, can you relate to that? I know I can. I'm sure that the enemy of our soul has tried to lie to you, to me, that you're a failure. And the truth is, no, you're not a failure. Failure is not a person. Failure is an event that can be overcome and won by the blood of the Lamb. Now, it doesn't mean that when we have these broken dreams and we can't get to that destination, that it doesn't hurt, that it's not painful, that you're not disappointed. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And that's true, isn't it? When you realize your dream cannot happen, your heart gets sick. Being heartbroken is one of the very first reactions we all can have and all do have. And guess what? That just means we all have a horrible case of the normals. It's normal to be heart sick, but it's not normal to stay there. When you're heart sick, you either can stay heart sick and get bitter or you can choose to work through it and become better. You know, many Christians, and not just non-believers, they have a hard time connecting that the people in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, that they really can understand and relate to how we live today. But that too would be a lie. They had all the experiences and, and everything that we struggle with, they did. They had highs, they had lows, they were happy, they were sad. They had people who betrayed them, they had people who were loyal to them. They experienced all the failures and defeats and successes and joys and victories that we experience and have the emotion with. See, our advanced technology, our advanced education doesn't make us better than the people in the Old Testament. Folks, it just means we lived at a different time with all the exact human emotions that they had. So let's look at a 17-year-old Joseph, a guy who had a great dream whose brothers tried to kill him and threw him in a cistern. And then finally they sold him as a slave, only to find himself eventually get into 
jail for a false accusation of something he never did. Can you imagine the heartache he must have experienced? Can you? Because for Joseph, a dream that he had was now being broken. And he couldn't do anything to stop it. Then there's a guy named Daniel. He's probably about the same age as Joseph. And he finds himself chained to another young person and chained to yet another young person. They are all now captives because of war. They're slaves. He's dragged hundreds of miles to exile in a foreign country to learn a whole new language, to, to learn a whole new culture, a whole new way of being, of, of food. There's Daniel with chains, realizing that his dream is broken and he can do nothing to stop it. Then there's King David. He got word one day that, well, that Bathsheba was, had given birth, but this son is sick and it doesn't look good and it looks like he's going to die. Now, what do you do? You've committed adultery with Bathsheba. You murdered uh, Uriah, the, the husband of Bathsheba, and God had warned you, and now all of a sudden, what's going on? What emotion is happening? You have this dream, and yet you connect with this baby because this baby truly is illegitimate. And just as David found out and said in the Psalms that his mother had conceived him out of sin, out of adultery, he's connecting with this little baby. Can you imagine all the emotion David is experiencing, just like we do? And yet here's David facing that this dream is about to be broken and he can do nothing to stop it. The Apostle Paul, he found himself with a physical disease. He called it the thorn in the flesh. We don't know what exactly what it was. Some no, some would suggest that it, it might have been his knees and that he struggled to travel because there were no cars, no bicycles. Some others think that it might have been his eyes um, and that he struggled to see. Others think that it might have been epilepsy. We don't know what his ailment was, but it really impacted his, his passion and his desire, his dream to minister. And there's Paul facing this loss, this brokenness, and there's nothing he can do to stop it. <laughs> and of course, there's Jesus. The Bible says that on the night before he was crucified, he went to a, the garden. There he prayed with his disciples and he went on by himself. And there he was he was facing death. And he prayed, Father, if there's any way we can do this without me having to die on the cross, please take this fate away from me. He was so anguished. The Bible says that he literally had droplets of blood that he was sweating out from the stress of it all. For Jesus, it was not his dream to suffer and to die on the cross. And yes, Jesus could have stopped it. But he trusted the Lord and was faithful to that which God had called him to do, even to endure the cross 
And obviously that would be great, great loss. But in the end, hmm, he was able to bring salvation to the world. What do you do? What do you do when you're heartsick over a broken dream, a destination that you can never arrive at? How can you avoid becoming bitter and then work towards becoming better? Let me, uh, let me get a little personal. Have you ever had a real dream, a desire, a goal that didn't come true? What did you do? Or what are you doing? Some folks can get really angry and bitter at God. Some folks can get depressed and, and they're just full of despair. And some folks, they just decide to modify their original dream and make something come true out of that dream, even if it's just in a small part. Some tree, people try to live vicariously through their children to make that part of the dream come true. But at the end of all that striving and all that manipulating, what usually happens? Relationships with those that they love and care become strained. Relationships are neglected and even finances will suffer. And then all of a sudden, character, honor, integrity, and trust they can all be compromised. In the end, you become more and more distant from God. And remember, when your heart is distant from God, your heart will get twisted. When it's twisted, now your heart is lying to you, and you justify compromising all forms of character and integrity. But there is another option. This is the option that Paul chose to use and to follow. He writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 9. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. He's talking about himself. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in body or out of the body, I don't know. Only God knows that. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things, so, things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I will boast only about my weaknesses. What? If I wanted to boast, I would, be no, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my, in, my flesh, in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times 
I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness, so now I'm glad to boast, Paul says, about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. Paul had had some amazing things happening to him in his life. His highs were really high, but now he's got a low. He's got a physical ailment that is going to have to leave, he's going to have to live with for the rest of his life. And it's probably painful. And it certainly keeps him from fulfilling his dream. So church, what should we do when we can't reach our destination? Number one, we should pray fervently. I'm so convinced that without prayer, we just can't do the Christian life. We may like the Christian life. We may love Jesus, love the Bible. But if we're not praying, if we're not fully devoted, working on becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, and that is because we pray. Jesus prayed. When those storms come, if you're not praying, they're going to overwhelm you. So let's pray fervently. This is what Paul said. Paul prayed fervently Three times, even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God, verse seven, right? So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me, and he keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, my grace is all you need. Number two, we should seek to hear the voice of of God. You see, in the midst of pain, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of being in a trial, it is possible to hear the voice of God. Don't let anyone lie to you. God literally will scream. He will whisper whatever it takes to get our attention in the middle of a trial. Let's make sure we're tuning in to the frequency of God. Paul found a way to believe that God's grace was sufficient, that it was more than enough for him. It says in verse 9, each time he said, my grace is all you need, and my power works best in weakness. Paul, was a, Paul had a biblical world view of what it was when he faced a trial. It was all about God trusting him, convinced that God would walk through and never leave him, never forsake him, and that God's grace was more than enough to sustain him. You know, in number three, it said we should find a way to accept our hardship and still choose to be steadfast, steadfast in our faith. We need to find a way to speak to the mountain. Remember in our book, as we read there with Mark Batterson, Draw the Circle, we need to be able to speak to the mountain how big God is versus speaking to the mountain of hardship that is in our life. We can be overwhelmed by the hardship that's, overwhelmed, that's in our life, or we can speak how great our God is 
no matter what the pandemic is. My dad's got it. My mom's got it. My sister's got it. My brother might have it. My other sister, my nephew, my niece, they all have it. You know what? Well, hey, hey, you know how big my God is? There's no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And we're going to stand steadfast in our faith and in our trust in the King of kings and Lord of lords. His name is H.G. Spafford. He was a businessman in Chicago, and he was a dedicated Christian. There were times in his life when the wisdom he followed was, well, it was of the world, it was of the flesh. And he had some serious financial reversals. And during the time of the readjustment in his business, he lost his home. He realized his family needed a break, and well, he was able to find a way to, to send everybody over to, to London, to England, where they could have a family vacation while they regroup. Well, he sent his, his wife and four daughters in advance ahead of him. And they were in a, well, in one of those uh, French steamer carriers. This was well over 100 years ago. And about mid-ocean across the Atlantic, Another ship in this French steam steamer crashed. 230 people lost their lives. His wife was the lone survivor of his family. All four of his daughters drowned. He got a wire from his wife and it said two words. Saved alone. Well, Mr. Spafford was overcome with grief. He lost his property, his home. Now he's lost his four daughters. His wife is on the other side, and, and he is stateside. And it's during this time of grief, his dream of his family, it's all broken, it's all shattered. And it's here that he finds a way to have a biblical worldview to say that God's grace is sufficient. And he writes these words to this incredible hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Matthew 26, 39, it says, Jesus, he went on a little further and bowed his face to the ground praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. See, Jesus found a way to accept the hardship, and yet Jesus still found the way to be steadfast in his faith and trust in the Father. It's not easy, folks, but it's so worth it. It's there that God will sustain us because his grace is sufficient. His grace is more than enough. And Jesus is our example. Let's look at 
number four as, as we close. We, we should find a way to use our hardship for God's glory. We should find a way to use our hardship for God's glory. You know, as we read earlier about Paul, Paul determined to use his weakness for God's glory. And when Jesus was facing his darkest moment, wrestling with the unreachable destination of being able to stay alive and to avoid the agony of the cross, what did Jesus do? He chose the option by praying fervently and saying, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, Jesus prayed even a second time. Remember, when he prayed first, he went to the disciples and they were sleeping. And then he goes back to pray again. And this is where we pick up in this verse where Jesus is now talking to the Lord a second time about what's required of him. And he says, verse 42, Matthew 26, 42. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed. My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. <laughs> See, Jesus, he experienced all the emotion, all the grief, all the injustice, all the heartache. But now Jesus has accepted that God the Father was worthy of it all. And he determined that he was going to make this hardship be used for the glory of God. And in this case, the end result would be the salvation of all mankind before, present, and in the future. Folks, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what your struggle is. But I know there's a testimony in there. And if we were willing to let that hardship, that pain, that suffering, if we allow it, it won't make us better. Bitter, it will make us better. And we will have a testimony for the king and his kingdom. Oh, church, trust him. Trust him. Even when you're on a path and you can't get to that destination, that God has a better path and he's got something greater in it all. We just have to trust Him. You see, we live on earth, guys. And friends, that means life on earth is not heaven. That means we're not going to achieve all of our dreams. I don't know anybody who's achieved all of their dreams. And if they did, I don't think it'd be very healthy. But I will say this. Jesus said in John 16, 33... In this world, you will have trouble. That's to let us know that this place, it's not like heaven. It is a fallen world. And that means it's going to offer trouble. It's okay. Because God has overcome it all. I don't think a single person who's ever had all their dreams fulfilled, could say, I did it, and I take all the full credit for it. It would mess with our head, don't you think? Let's look at John 16. And I want us to look at some of these, these couple verses here, and I want us to notice the, the buts in it. 
In John 16, verse 33, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world, Jesus says. And then in Romans 8, 28, Paul wrote this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. You know, clearly there are some great stories that end like a fairy tale in the Bible. Like Joseph becoming the second most powerful individual in all of Egypt in that empire. And literally all of his family did bow down to him, even though they didn't recognize him, just as he had dreamed. But there are also many stories where they didn't see the silver lining. And you know what? I want you to know that every dying or dead dream, that the Lord literally has all of those dreams in His hands. He hasn't forgotten you. He's not abandoning you. He's not abandoning me. And if we trust Him, He can do something great in all of the painfulness and hurt and devastation that we're facing. You know, the enemy's a liar, folks. To be honest with you, I've had many prayers and even dreams that I thought would be great. Things that I thought, God, you just got to fulfill this. This is going to be wonderful. Only to find out years later what a nightmare that would have turned out to be if God had answered my prayers. It's like the whole country song, right? Thank God for unanswered prayers. Why? Did you ever see God, this is the one I really want to marry? Only to find out years later, like, oh my, I'm glad I didn't get married. Horrible. Or how about, I just got, if I only had the money, I would invest in this. I know it would make me billions. Only to find out later it was a scam and you just thank God he didn't answer the prayer. See, we need to praise God for unanswered prayers. Even in a time of struggle and heartache. Because God knows the future and I don't. And I can trust Him with it. And so can you. So let's recap all of this, guys. What should we do when we can't reach our destination? Number one, we need to pray fervently. Number two, we should seek to hear the voice of God. Number three, we should find a way to accept our hardship and still choose to be steadfast in our faith. And number four, we should find a way to use our hardship for God's glory. God loves you and he wants to bless you. He wants you to experience joy, and He knows you need help. He won't leave you. He won't abandon you. Well, I'm running out of time, but I want to do this. I want to share what do you do when your dream is fulfilled. We'll do this real quick. You're to give God all the glory, folks. You're to be humble. You're to be grateful when that dream did come true. And think for a minute, how many of you have had, had a story that something great happened and it was an incredible miracle? Well, what are you supposed to do with that? 
you're supposed to share that as a testimony. You're to be a witness. You're to say, look what God did in my life and He can do it for you. So I'm praying, I'm believing. Even with all of this craziness of this pandemic, it's going to be a testimony. It's going to be a powerful testimony of how great God is in spite of it all. And there's a testimony for you. And if you have one, are you sharing it? You need to. Well, Father God, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. I pray blessing on your people. I pray, Father, you would just show yourself strong. Father, we as a nation, we need you, God, more than ever. We pray that you would bring peace to the streets. No more rioting, no more looting. We pray, Father, you would bring righteous politicians to, Father, to bring leadership that would bring, Father, hope to a nation that is struggling to find those who they can trust. But we know we can always trust the Word of God and we can always trust you. So, God, I pray blessing on your people. Father, your will, your way, in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.